Luke chapter number one. You know, I'm a routine person. I love having a schedule. I love planning out my week. I like it when things stay on track. I'm just that type of person. How many people here would say, I'm, I'm a routine person? I'm a schedule person. Yeah, a lot of us. You know, for Christians, in your walk with God, I find that routine is important. If you want to grow for God, you need the routine of daily Bible reading, of prayer, of church attendance, of serving in ministry. These are all parts of consistency that are developed as a result of a good routine. One author says that a routine is a set of healthy habits that bring you fulfillment, growth, stability in chaos, and a sense of achievement. You know, that's true, but that same author goes on to say, a routine can become, listen carefully, a safety net that stops you from seizing opportunities when they arise. A routine can be a good thing, but when a routine becomes something that stops you from taking the steps that God is trying to lead you to, a routine can become a very bad thing. You know, unfortunately, I believe that's what happens in the lives of many Christians, especially in the lives of Bible college students. I know because I was one. We get into the routine of serving God. We get into the routine of class. We get into the routine of filling out our Christian service reports and reading our Bible because we have classes that require us to read our Bible. We get so much into the routine that we forget about the importance of following God. And when God tries to get us to go deeper with Him, we miss out. This morning, I want you to take a look at a passage in Luke chapter number 1. We're going to begin reading in verse number 5. Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 5. The Bible says, There was in the days of Herod the king of Judea a certain priest named Zacharias of the course of Abiah, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord, blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they both were now well stricken in years. And it came to pass that while he executed the priest's office before God in the order of his course, according to the custom of the priest's office, his lot was to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard. And thy wife, Elizabeth, shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. For he shall be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. And he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost, even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. And he shall go before him 
in the spirit and power of Elias to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. I want to preach a message to you entitled, When God Breaks Up Your Routine. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we could spend in your word this morning. God, I pray that you would help us this morning. Lord, we need you. Lord, I need you this morning. God, I pray for that reason, that you would take me as your servant, empty me of any self and any sin. Lord, that you would fill me with your spirit. Hide me behind the cross. Lord, let it be all of you and none of me. Lord, there's nothing that I can say that can help anyone. But Lord, if you would speak through me, if you would speak to hearts while I speak to ears, much can be done this morning. So God, I pray that you would do just that. Use me this morning to be a blessing to your people, for it's in Jesus' name we ask and pray. Amen. You know, when I look through this passage, I'm amazed at what I find. When we get to verse number five, we see this man that's introduced. His name is Zacharias. The Bible says that he was of the course of Abiah. The Bible says that he was a Levite. He was a priest. He was one of the sons of Aaron. Not only that, but also his wife. This was a good couple. I call this couple the serving ministers. They were involved in the work of God. They were faithful. They were doing the right thing. And not only that, the Bible says something that it doesn't say about very many people. The Bible says that they were blameless. These were the right kind of people. These were the people that you would want to be around. These people loved God. They did what they could to serve God. They were involved in the ministry of God. And I find that these are the types of people that God always wants to use the most. You know, when you look back at your life, I would think that the majority of you, before you came to college, you were probably involved in your church in some way. You had things that were going on. After coming to college, the, the, the churches that you're working in, now when you're on campus, you're involved in ministries. You're doing things for the Lord. These are the types of people that God wants to use in a special way. But these are the people that are most likely to get stuck in the routine of serving God. See, historians teach us that priests came basically one to two times per year to serve for one week in the temple. Obviously, at this time, there were many people that were of the line of Aaron that were Levites that would come to serve. So each one would come for a week, sometimes two weeks, but they would come for a short amount of time to do their duty to serve in the temple. When they did, the Bible says that it was his lot. They would cast lots for what service they would do. And when they received their lot, they would go and they would do that service. For Zechariah, his lot this time was to burn incense inside the temple. And historians tell us that this was a great honor. It didn't fall to you very often to be the one that would be able to do this. These were good people that were involved. They were serving ministers of the Lord. And to these serving ministers, God sent a special message. The Bible says in verse number 11, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Listen, this man was serving God. He was doing the right thing. He was involved in the ministry of God. He was doing his duty. And to this man, God sent a special messenger. He sent an angel to break up his routine. 
Isn't that often the case? We're going about serving God, doing what we're supposed to, and then God sends someone. Maybe it's a pastor. Maybe it's a preacher. Maybe it's an evangelist. Maybe it's a chapel speaker. He sends someone our direction to tell us, to let us know that God has something particular that He wants us to do. I mean, for many of you, it was probably inside of a church service where you felt that God was calling you to ministry in some way. Maybe it was Dr. Beal that came to your church or the ensemble that came, one of the representatives, and God impressed upon your heart through that special messenger that he had something that he wanted you to do. To this serving minister, God sent a special messenger with a supernatural message. Look at what he says in verse number 13. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is Heard. It's interesting because this is the second time in this passage that prayer is mentioned. Here the angel says to him, thy prayer has been heard. And I thought this interesting because you'd have to ask yourself, what prayer exactly is he referring to? See, you may look at this and you may say, well, obviously he had been praying for a son. I don't actually personally, I don't believe that to be the case. The Bible says that Zacharias and Elizabeth were old, that they were well stricken in years. It had already, listen, that ship had come and gone. Zacharias knew there was no chance of him having a child. It really wouldn't have made sense for him to be praying every day, Lord, give me a child, when he knows that God has not opened those doors for him and it is now too late for his wife to conceive a child. Therefore, we look and we say, well, what prayer is it that he was praying for. Well, I believe that the Bible is clear here because it tells us in verse number 10, it says, and the whole multitude of the people were praying without at the time of incense. This was a time of prayer. This was when they would go because the incense represented the prayers of the people filtering up to God. And I believe that they were all praying for one thing in particular. That was for the Messiah who would come to liberate them from the hand of the Romans to do everything that God had promised for them. They were praying for that Messiah. And to that, God shows up and He says, Good news, Zacharias. Your prayer has been heard. God is going to answer the prayer that you have been praying. You know what I find? It's not much different for us today. I believe that more than anything, the one thing, especially when we come through missions conference or when you go to your church, the one thing that we're praying for is that God would do a work in our country, in our nation, that God would do a work in our world, that God would save sinners, that God would send revival. I believe that that prayer is the prayer that most times is on the lips of Christians, just as the prayer for the Messiah was on the lips of the Jews in that day. God sent His messenger with a supernatural message and says, God has answered your prayer. I can imagine Zacharias saying, hot dog, that's incredible. God has answered the one thing that everybody is praying for. God says, here's the answer to the prayer. God wants to use you. Zacharias. God is going to use you to do something incredible. Interestingly enough, he says to him, 
that God is going to give him a son and that son is going to be great and he is going to usher in. He is going to make way for the Messiah. He's not the Messiah, but he's the one that's going to be bearing the torch for the Messiah. Hey, listen, God wants to use you, Zacharias. To this supernatural message, we have to skip a little bit because we see what the answer of Zacharias should have been when God comes and says, I want to do something special. I've answered your prayers. I want to use you. If we skip all the way forward to verse number 67, the Bible says, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited and redeemed his people and raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. See, I believe that had Zacharias been in a submitted mindset, had he been thinking the right thing, he would have looked when God came to him and said, Zacharias, I want to do something special. Your prayers are answered. I want to use you in a way that you could have never expected. His submitted mindset should have been blessed be God who has kept his promises. He's sending the Messiah. But I'm in Bible college. You know that that's not what happens. That should have been what happened. He should have responded with a submitted mindset that says, hey, if God wants to do something and God wants to use me, then I'm all about it. Bless me, God, that is going to do this work. But that is not how he responded, is it? See, if we skipped straight from verse number 17 to verse number 67, we would be doing well. And you know what I find most times in my life and in the lives of people like yourselves, we most times do not skip from verse 17 to 67. God comes and he says, I want to use you. And instead of responding, thank you, Lord, for being willing to use me in a way that I could have never expected, we do exactly what Zacharias did. Instead of responding with a submitted mindset, he makes a sad mistake. Look with me in verse number 18. And Zacharias said unto the angel, Whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my wife well stricken in years. This is really interesting what happens here. Just a few verses before, the Bible tells us that Zacharias, when he met this angel, he was scared to death. He was troubled. He didn't know what to say. He looks over and he sees an angel standing there in the temple with him. And the Bible says that he's terrified, as were many other people when angels met them. Isn't it amazing that as soon as this angel from God tells him that he wants to use him in a way that he couldn't have imagined, his fear turns immediately from fear to doubt. Instead of looking and saying, my goodness, God sent an angel to talk to me, he looks and says, how do you know? <laughs> Stop and think about that. He looks at an angel and says, how do you know? Look at Gabriel's response. Gabriel looks at him and he says, how do you think I know, man? What are you talking about? He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. What in the world are you talking about, man? How do I know? 
See, I believe that his problem was not so much that he wasn't sure how Gabriel knew as much as he was saying, I don't think so, buddy, not me. God, go and get somebody else. He looks and he says, God, what are you talking about? You couldn't possibly want to use me. I don't know why. I have no clue. I, I may think, if I, if I try and think through what's going on, I, I think to myself, maybe it's because Zacharias says, I'm a little too old. You know, go and find Mary and Joseph. They're a young couple. They're young people that you can use. I'm older. I've been doing this a long time. My wife is older. You couldn't possibly want to use me. Go and find somebody younger. Maybe he looks and says, um, excuse me, that's a little bit embarrassing. My wife is older and now she's supposed to have a baby. I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be 50. I'm going to be 60 years old. But while, while I'm running around here, I don't know, Lord, that's a little too embarrassing for me. Could you find somebody else? Could you work somebody else into your plan? You know what I find in my own life? When God comes to me and he says, I want to use you in a special way, I say, not so, Lord, like Peter did. No, it, could, it couldn't be right, Lord. That doesn't fit with the way that I think it should be done. Zacharias looks and he says, no, 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 I don't think so. You don't understand. I'm an old man. That's why I tell you, I don't think he was praying for a baby because he looks and he says, I'm an old man. My wife can't have any children anymore. That couldn't possibly be me. He makes a sad mistake. He looks at God and says, God, I think you've got the wrong person. God, there's got to be some mistake. And you know what I find as people who are busy like you and I are in the service of the Lord, I find that when God says, I want to use you in a way that's unexpected, we look and we say, no, 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 God, I'm already serving in the temple. I've already got my lot. I have already got my, my routine. I come once or twice a year and I stay in the temple for a week and I do the work that I'm supposed to. I'm following the law of God. I'm doing what I'm supposed to. I'm right with God, God, you couldn't possibly want to use me in that way. And we turn God down because what God wants doesn't fit with our routine. He looks and he says, God, that's not possible. Gabriel looks at him and says, I am Gabriel, verse number 19, that stand in the presence of God and am sent to speak unto thee and to show thee, notice these words, these what? He looks at him and he says, Zacharias, it was supposed to be good news. This wasn't supposed to ruin your day. You were supposed to be excited about the fact that God wanted you to use you in a way that you could have never imagined. But instead, you're now doubting God and questioning that I'm even his messenger. You ever been there? God looks and says, you were supposed to be excited about the fact that I wanted to use you, that I wanted to send you, that I wanted to do this through you, that I wanted to reach these people through you. And instead of being excited about it, you're looking and saying, God, can you use somebody else? To this sad mistake, God had to, God had to use a startling model. Listen carefully. 
in order to break him out of his routine. Isn't it interesting that God didn't say, you know what, Zacharias, if you don't want me to use you, then I'll go to, and find somebody else to use. Isn't it interesting that God never actually does that in Scripture? Moses says, Lord, send by, send by his hand whom thou wilt send. God, use somebody else. God doesn't say, well, Moses, that's fine. I'll find somebody else. Jonah says, I'm going to go in the opposite direction. God doesn't say, well, that's fine. I'll just sign some, find, find somebody else. Peter says, not so, Lord, for I have never. God doesn't look and say, I'll just find somebody else. Because you know what? God never does. He looks at you and he says, you know what I need to do? I need to break up that routine of serving God. I need to do something to get your attention so that you can understand how important this thing is. Notice in verse number 20, the Bible says, And behold, thou shalt be dumb and not able to speak until the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. He's got, the first thing that God does is God has to rouse him out of his sleep. He looks and he says, hey, Zacharias, here's what we're going to do. You weren't certain if God is going to do this. You weren't certain if this is God's message. Here's what we're going to do. You won't be able to speak, and we learn later, more than likely, or hear until the day that God does what he says. Stop and think about that. He's looking at Zacharias and he says, Zacharias, you better hope God does what he says or you'll never speak or hear again. You were questioning God, let's put God to the test. How much are you praying now that God does what he said that he was going to do? He has to wake him up. God removes something important from his life. And listen carefully, he has nine months to think about his mistake. Nine months of not speaking and likely not hearing to think that the last words that I ever said is, God couldn't possibly do this with me. Listen, God knows how to get your attention. And for Zacharias, it was taking away his speech. I don't know what it is for you, but I know in my life, I know when God has done something to get my attention. You may not notice it, but I know right away, God wants my attention. I better give it to him. God has to rouse him. But notice in verse number 21, the Bible says, And the people waited for Zacharias and marveled that he tarried so long. And when he came out, he could not speak unto them. Notice these words, and what? And they perceived that he had seen a vision in the temple. Isn't it amazing? I bet your teachers can tell you this, your professors, those that are on staff. It's amazing how often other people can see that God is doing a work in your heart, in your life, that God is removing something from you to try and get your attention, but you're oblivious to it. He comes walking out of the temple and everybody looks around and says, God must be doing something in his life and he can't speak, he can't hear, he can't even be involved in what God is doing. I've seen it so many times. Young people that I look and I say, I know you're struggling with God. I know that you're struggling to give it to God and God takes thing after thing away from their lives and you're just not willing to get it right and to get out of your routine and to follow God where he leads. He comes out and everybody looks and says, God is doing something in his life. And listen, that's the only thing that God ever wanted to show him in the first place. Other people recognize then we have to skip all the way down to verse number 57. Now Elizabeth's full time came. 
that she should be delivered. And she brought forth a son. And her neighbors and her cousins heard how the Lord had showed mercy upon her. And they rejoiced with her. And it came to pass on the eighth day. On the eighth day. Listen. Gabriel told Zacharias, you won't be able to speak until God has fulfilled everything that he's promised. I bet the day that Elizabeth went to have the baby, Zacharias is sitting there thinking, man, this is great. I'm going to get my speech back. I'm going to be able to hear again. And then she has the baby and he still can't speak. Day one, day two, day three, Day four, day five, no speech, nothing. He can't do anything. Day six, day seven, is God really going to do what he said he was going to do? I thought I was supposed to have my speech back. Day eight comes. The Bible says that they go to circumcise John. They say, what do you want him to be called? Do you want him to be called Zacharias? She says, no, call his name John. Look at this in verse number 61. And they said unto her, there is none of thy kindred that is called by this name and notice 62 and they made sign to his father that's why I said he likely couldn't hear or speak they had to make signs to him to ask him how he should have him called and he asked for a writing table and wrote saying his name is John and they marveled all and his mouth was opened Immediately. Nine months and eight days. And his mouth isn't opened until he agrees with God that God can do in his life what he said God couldn't do. But the really neat thing is, the Bible says in verse Number 67, and his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Ghost and prophesied saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he hath visited and redeemed his people and raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant. Who? You know, I read this over and over again growing up. I memorized parts of this passage for Christian school when I was in Christian school. For some reason, I always had it in my head that when John began to speak, John began, or excuse me, when Zacharias began to speak, he started talking about John the Baptist and how God had fulfilled his promise in sending the forerunner for the Messiah. But that's not what happened at all. Listen carefully. When God finally gave him his voice back, the only person he wanted to talk about was Jesus which was the point that God was trying to get him to from the beginning. He didn't open his mouth and say, you're not going to believe what happened to me nine months ago in the temple. I was standing there and an angel came and I didn't believe him. And then he said, you're going to have a son named John and this kid is going to be special. Blessed is God who who gave us this child, John. And John is going to prepare the way for the Messiah and he's going to do great things and he's not going to drink wine or strong drink. He doesn't do any of that. Why? Because when he realized that God wanted to involve him in his plan, he wakes up and he says, blessed is God who sent the Messiah, Jesus Christ. And that's what God wanted 
from Zechariah from the day that Gabriel appeared to him in the temple. And that's the same thing God wants from you. God doesn't want you to go and tell your story and how great it was of how God is working in your life and what God is doing through you. God wants you to get up and lift up Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. And sometimes He's got to send things to break up our routine because in our routine, we never will. Are you stuck in a routine this morning? Has the service of God become something that you just do over and over and over again because it's what you're supposed to do, it's what your parents say you should do, it's what your teachers say you should do, it's what you're required to do for your classes? Has it become routine for you, so routine to the point that when God says, I want to challenge you to talk with this person, I want to challenge you to go here, I want to challenge you to surrender your life, that you look and say, well, that can't possibly be right. I want to challenge you because I've been there. To not get stuck in the routine of serving God. To not get so used to the day-to-day that you miss what God wants to do in your life. Where are you today? Where does God want you to be? Let God break up your routine. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this time that we can spend together. Lord, I fear that as Christians we get so used to saying the right things, doing the right things, reading our passages, talking right, dressing right, acting the way that we should, that your service becomes routine. And God, just like Zechariah, we can miss the fact that routine is good, but it should never take the place of following our God and Savior. God, I believe that you want to use this group of people to do more for you than any generation, any class, any student body in the history of this world. Lord, but it's not going to happen if we just go about things the way that we always have. God, it will only happen if we allow you to use us in ways that we never thought possible because we're completely submitted to you. Would you challenge us this morning? For it's in Jesus' name I ask and pray. Amen.